welcome to Relationship Rewind on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, a show where we rewind relationships in popular media and break down behaviors that are often considered normal but are actually based in power, control, and abuse. I'm your host, Allie Williamson. My pronouns are she and her, and I am the youth educator and advocate at Next Step Domestic Violence Project. Today, we'll be inviting Dorothy Martell, pronouns she, her, the executive director at Next Step, to give background information on power and control in relationships. We'll also be inviting former producer of Community Wellness Watch, Emma Weiss, pronouns they, them, on to talk about The Kissing Booth, a movie released in 2018 centered around a high school student and her relationship with her best friend's brother. I would like to take this time to let you know that there may be spoilers or sensitive materials discussed in this episode. If you would like to reach out for support, please call Next Steps 24-7 and free helpline at 1-800-315-5579. As mentioned, the show will be focusing on identifying behaviors in relationships and media that are often considered normal or even romantic and passionate, but are actually unhealthy and based in power and control. One of the goals of this show is to create a space to discuss the experiences young people are having and how they feel relationships and media are impacting them. Hopefully this show will be a space of connection during COVID, where we otherwise may not be able to have these conversations. We are going to be using media like movies, TV shows, books, and music as tools to recognize and start conversations about harmful and unhealthy behaviors in relationships, but this is not to pass judgment on the media we're discussing. I would like to now introduce Dorothy Martell to give us some helpful background on power and control in relationships. Welcome, Dorothy. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience working in domestic violence advocacy? I would be glad to. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show today. Um, I'm Dorothy Martell. I am the director at Next Step Domestic Violence Project um, in Hancock and Washington counties. And I have been working in this field for close to 25 years now. I've been at Next Step for almost seven years now. And I keep doing this work because I believe that no one should be hurt. I believe violence is unacceptable. And I would like to help change that and to help people who've experienced it. And in your experience, how do you see relationships portrayed in media kind of impacting young people and, you know, just people in general in their relationships and how they're forming and maintaining them? It's a great question. I think that popular culture glorifies some of the worst, most dangerous aspects of relationships. And that's really harmful, particularly young people who are just learning how to be close to other people outside their family, um, how to develop romantic relationships or friendships. We seem to see a lot of examples of glorifying jealousy as romance, confusing jealousy as romance, looking at movies and TV shows and songs and TikTok videos and YouTube videos where one person has control over the other. So for example, intimidating someone into being in a relationship or being a different person than they want to be in order to keep the partner, using emotional abuse, isolating people, minimizing their own behavior, coercing people, threatening people. And for me, I think about being a teenager myself a very long time ago at a time when movies showed women slapping men in the face. That was the only sort of defense a woman was allowed to have 
if a man said something rude to her or implied something she didn't like. And I thought I was supposed to do that. And I remember a young man who I was very close to saying something just obnoxious to me and I slapped him across the face and it didn't occur to me that that would hurt him. I thought I was supposed to do that. And when he looked at me with horror, I realized I just hit somebody. How did I think that was okay? And I thought of all the times I'd seen that in movies. And that's really stuck with me. And again and again and again, we see far worse things than that happening in movies and being seen as not just normal, but romantic and desirable. I think one of the things that we mentioned in this show and that we were hoping to kind of get across was the idea that people aren't born into the world knowing how to be in relationships and how a lot of their experience and knowledge is based off of what they're learning about relationships that are kind of modeled to them in media. And I think that what you had just mentioned really demonstrates that. There are certainly better ways to get your point across than hitting someone. So I could have said, wow, that was really obnoxious. Please don't talk to me like that. If that was the example I had seen over and over, that's what would have stuck in my head. So we're going to be talking a lot about power and control that we're seeing in the relationships and media. Is there any information that you think might be helpful for listeners to know before listening to the show? I think it would be important for people to know that pretty much all of us have experienced some behaviors that we might consider abusive, that that could be abusive. But a thing that happens once, a thing that happens without a context of a pattern may not be abuse. It's when somebody consistently over time does things like belittling someone or isolating them or expecting them to change to fit a stereotype, where they're doing it to control someone or to be harmful, where their sense that they should and have a right to have power over another person is their framework and they expect the other person, their partner, to accept that and will even punish the person for not accepting it. And there's a loop there because the more someone treats you that way, the more you start to question your own right to to say, no, that's not how I want it to be. And there are just so many examples of, you know, romantic jealousy, like, you know, if if he loves me, he won't want me to be with my friends. He'll want to be with me all the time. And well, he may want that, but if he stops you or she stops you from being with your friends, that's a problem. And I like that you brought up the example of the romantic jealousy, because I think that's one of the things that is often portrayed in media and in relationships in TV shows and movies that is framed as being passionate and something that you should want. But really that romantic jealousy when it's coming across as this controlling behaviors aren't actually ideal qualities to have. I think that's a really good example of, you know, just one of the things that media often normalizes to the point where you are questioning whether your relationship is healthy because they aren't demonstrating that quality. Exactly. And often in media, the person who is experiencing the brunt of those behaviors is blamed for them. So, you know, somebody is very jealous and starts stalking their partner because they think that they are seeing someone else. Then we're led to believe that it's the fault of the person who might have another friend. You know, there's a lot of victim blaming out there. 
And at the same time, there's this sense that the person who's behaving badly, behaving violently, behaving controlling, gets rewarded by getting the person in the end. And often the often movies end that way. The big romantic thing is, you know, some passionate kiss that makes everything that came before it okay. And of course, we know perfectly well that one kiss is not going to undo harm that's done or harm that might come later. I heard you mention a few times that there are these loops to these relationships where maybe those tactics that people use to maintain control over one another are prevalent. And then there is a head where there's a big romantic gesture that make all of those bad behaviors that had happened kind of go away. And could you speak a little bit more to that and in, in that kind of cycle that that is seen and maybe idolized? I can think of an example from the movie Love, actually, which I think is pretty popular where there's a young man who's filming his best friend's wedding. And this is a spoiler. If you haven't seen Love Actually, you might want to cover your ears. But it turns out that, in fact, the person who's taking the videos of the wedding is madly in love with this woman. He shows up at her house while the husband is home and has a silent conversation with her, you know, holding up cards, telling her how he loves her. And really, it's kind of creepy to think that at her wedding, to his best friend, he, instead of filming both of them, spent a lot of time just filming her and really stalking her with the camera, shows up at her house while her husband is home, professes his love. And instead of saying, seriously, this is not okay and it's not very respectful of me or your friend, she gives him a passionate kiss. And, and you know, that movie seems pretty friendly and harmless. I'm not saying that what he did is dangerous, but it's also not a thing that is an indicator of real love. It's an indicator of this man's obsession and wanting something that he can't have and making her complicit in that. And, you know, he could have kept that to himself. Um, he could have not made that video. He had a lot of choices along the way. If, if it was that important to him, he could have earlier on said to his friend and said to the wife-to-be, I just need you to know I have strong feelings about this. And at least it would have been out there. So that's an example where we're not talking about some terrible piece of abuse or violence. It's subtle, but it's still significant. And we see things like that when people call us, when people use Next Step services, that they've experienced things like that. And over time, that sort of behavior was an initial indicator and it often got worse and did at some point lead to violence and, and danger. So that's why I think it's important for people when they're taking in media, not to necessarily reject it, but to just sort of pay attention to it and ask some questions about it. I do like the way that you phrased that, where it might not seem as as harmful as some of the behaviors that you would typically think of when you think of domestic violence and abuse. But I personally know many people who They've had those experiences where maybe someone who was interested in them just keeps bothering them and they keep kind of trying to get them in the relationship when they're really not interested. But when it translates over into actual real world situations, there are many people who aren't interested in someone, but they keep going because maybe media suggests that you should just keep it up until they kind of change their mind. And the real problem with that is Domestic violence affects everyone of every gender and every identity, but in media in general, the flip side of it is that it's the man who's pursuing and it's the woman who feels like she has to play hard to get. And so again, it's bringing the 
victim of the behavior in as if she's doing something wrong if she just says, yes, I am interested in you. And so you can't necessarily entirely blame in the movies someone for pursuing because they believe they're supposed to pursue because women are supposed to play hard to get. And so the messages hurt everybody. It's not that they just hurt one gender or one sex. They shape the way we interact. And I think it's really easy to think that as an individual, you might be immune to that, but we're social creatures and we learn from what we experience and what we see. I know that a few times throughout our conversation today, we've touched a little bit on kind of the victim blaming that comes out of these different situations. And I was hoping you'd be able to talk a little bit more about that and how you think media maybe impacts young people and people in general in that kind of way. I don't think we like to believe that things happen to people without them causing them. I think that that tends to scare us a little bit. And so if somebody is a victim of violence, it's easier for us to think, well, she or he must have done something to bring that on themselves because therefore I don't do that so it couldn't happen to me. And again, I think media really feeds into that. There was a movie that I can't remember the name of where a young woman is, well, there are so many of these, I don't even need to single one out. A woman is drinking and she's scantily dressed and she ends up being sexually assaulted. And the focus is not on this terrible thing happened to her. These people did this terrible thing. The focus is on, look how sexy she was. She shouldn't have been so sexy. And that kind of blame, it makes the abuse have even more layers to it. So not only are you traumatized by the abuse that happens to you, but you start to feel like you did bring it on yourself. And we all start to blame people for what they wore, what they drank, where they were. And most of those limitations are on women, especially young women. Women shouldn't go to bars. They shouldn't wear short skirts. They shouldn't flirt. They shouldn't do this. They shouldn't do that. Instead of people shouldn't rape. They shouldn't assault. They shouldn't insult. They shouldn't isolate. That's what I mean by victim blaming. Could you speak a little bit to maybe some of the barriers that you feel those beliefs create for young people? I think the biggest barrier is that we don't see a lot of models of healthy relationships where people can say, I want to live like that. I want to be in a relationship where someone listens to me and I listen to them and we have dialogue and sometimes we can get angry at each other and we can disagree, but we can work through it in the ways that work best for us and that won't harm either of us. And again, it's not to say that that's easy. It's not. I think most of us struggle in relationships to say what we need and and be who we are, but we can do it. We're capable of doing it. And we shouldn't have to change ourselves to fit some stereotype that's been on a screen somewhere or that the partner is asking us. And another big thing that we see in media is a person changing for the other person. And and that's that a successful relationship requires one person to sacrifice who they are. But those stereotypes hold and usually one person is changing completely and the other person is staying exactly the same and they call that love. Well, I believe and I think a lot of us believe that love is much more of a dialogue, that one person should not have to be someone else in order to be loved. 
Do you have any kind of final thoughts or goals that you hope this show might achieve? I hope that this podcast will help people talk about relationships and be able to question, does this seem okay to me? And if it doesn't, what do I do about it? And reach out for help if you need it, whether you're calling Next Steps Hotline or you're talking to a trusted friend or adult, and to really be open to challenging the stereotypes and the expectations that you're seeing around you. I'd like to thank Dorothy for coming on to give us background information on power and control in relationships. If you're just tuning in, this is Relationship Rewind, a show about rewinding relationships in popular media and breaking down behaviors that are often considered normal but are actually based in power, control, and abuse. I'm your host, Allie Williamson. Next up, we're going to be talking to former producer of Community Wellness Watch, Emma Weiss, about the kissing booth. Welcome, Emma. Our podcast is focusing a lot on relationships in media and how some of the unhealthy behaviors shown and even normalized might impact young people. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with this and how you might have seen these impacts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like growing up with other young girls and being socialized as a girl and then a woman, I feel like there are so many strange expectations, particularly in hetero relationships that are seen as really romantic or that men are sort of supposed to do in relationships or for women that only in adulthood did I really learn like were manipulative or even abusive or were just not what it means to be in a partnership with someone and what it means to show mutual respect for someone. But these actions are just sort of presented in so much media as the norm or worse glorified. So today we're going to be talking about the kissing booth as an example of some unhealthy behaviors that might be romanticized in movies. So to prepare for our conversation, I went back and rewatched the movie and there were a few things that resonated with me and kind of related back to some of what our first guest speaker, Dorothy, talked about. For example, Dorothy spoke a little bit about this loop that is often shown in movies where, you know, any harmful behavior is immediately forgotten after, you know, one of the big gestures that are framed as being romantic. Can you speak to how this relates to the kissing booth or any examples that you might have seen in the movie? Yeah, the scene where one of the first or like very early on in the movie when Elle, the main character, um, has like I, she's getting ready for school and she the only thing she can find to wear to school is like an old uniform with a really short skirt and like some guy grabs her butt and not consensually obviously and and assaults her and they both get detention and he apologizes half-heartedly or not even just like sends her a note or something asking her out and then comes back into the classroom wearing the skirt as like sort of this gesture of like, look, I'm like being funny and humiliating myself for you. Like, forgive me. And it's just so strange that this gesture is sort of this band-aid for this non-consensual touching behavior. And his gesture has nothing to do with that behavior and isn't apologizing for it, isn't demonstrating an understanding of why what he did is wrong or why it may have upset her. Like, I think it's sort of like this thing of like, oh, like she should just be flattered because clearly him touching her butt is a compliment is showing that he's interested in her and interested in her body. And then his gesture redeems him and they are, they, she agrees to go on a date with him. And like, 
it just feels feels like an illogical consequence to his first actions which often I think is the case of like you know in real life oh like getting a girl flowers to say you're sorry for something unrelated or like buying someone dinner the underlying theme of that being avoiding communicating and healing from whatever the behavior was that um, crossed in this situation it's a girl but this can happen in a relationship with any genders rather than talking about the boundary that was crossed and healing from there yeah and I think that this is a large theme throughout this entire movie and it happens with multiple people you had mentioned that first scene and then later on in the movie I know that there's a scene where the main guy Noah he starts kind of being very violent against this guy that's trying to pay a lot of attention to Elle, even though she has made it very clear that she's not interested in him while they're at a party and this guy is not leaving her alone, but she is handling the situation and she asks Noah not to get involved. He gets involved anyway and he beats the guy up. He's very violent and she ends up running away and it's this whole big scene where he ends up yelling at her and pounding his hand on his car. And that's the only thing that gets her to stop and turn around and get back into the car with him. And then they go. And the only thing that he really says, and the only conversation that's kind of furthering that is like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to fall in love with you. And she starts voicing her concerns about it, saying, you haven't changed. What's the difference between what just happened and And then we don't know what the rest of her question is because he cuts her off and says, the difference is you. And he tries to make all of the things that just happened kind of go away in that situation by being really cheesy and what's being framed as romantic. But they completely act like 15 minutes ago, he wasn't just beating someone up. And I think it's another example in that movie and just shows how a big theme throughout that entire movie is people doing really harmful behaviors and then one very small kind of gesture happens and then those things are completely forgotten like they haven't even happened yeah and also like I have noticed in media before the trope of this guy is being violent or doing other bad things but he he's just so in love with the girl and he it's because like he's jealous but like he just loves her so much like it drives him crazy and that's why he's acting this way and like it's, it's both dismissive of his behavior and not placing responsibility on him for his own behavior, but also like almost making it the girl's fault in that situation. Like, oh, like it's just because like you're, I just love you so much. And that's shown a lot, just how things are getting turned around on Elle throughout the entire movie and in so many different relationships we see in media, where it always turns out to be the person who is being impacted by the harmful behaviors, like fault in some way, when there's no way that they could actually control the actions of that person who is, you know, becoming violent, but they're still the one who are blamed for that happening. So our previous guest also spoke about victim blaming and the impacts that blaming in media have on young people. Are there any examples from the movie that you might be able to talk about that relate to victim blaming? Yeah, I think like the same plot line as the skirt incident. Noah tells Elle that like because she was wearing a short skirt, she was asking for it or like asking to be touched inappropriately and non-consensually, which I feel like is pretty classic of like, girls and young women being told not to wear certain things because 
that puts a target on their back and they will be potentially like victims of non-consensual touching or being looked at or talked to in a certain way because of what they're wearing and you know I think quote-unquote asking for it is like something that I like remember hearing a lot growing up and it's so sad that that is in this teen movie yeah placing the onus on like girls and women to be cautious rather than on men to be respectful it takes again that blame and puts it on the person who is being harmed by the behavior that's happening so one of the goals of this podcast is to talk about power in relationships and ways that people might try to control the person that they're dating can you speak to how this might be shown in the relationships that we see in the kissing booth? Yeah, I think that the relationship between Noah and Elle is always complicated from the beginning because he is the older brother of her best friend. And she like talks about having had a crush on him for a really long time. And that definitely puts a power dynamic on their relationship from the very beginning, especially when you're young. I think like as you get older, it sort of becomes different. But when you're young and everyone's having their first experiences dating and their first experiences with sex, that age difference can be huge and um, really significant. And also Noah is so sort of controlling about who Elle talks to and what she wears in a way that is really compromising her independence and her agency. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that there are a lot of examples of how Noah controls Elle in a lot of different ways throughout the movie. I think that there's even one specific part when she finds out that the reason that she hasn't gotten any like requests for dates from any of the guys at her school and the only time she got asked out, he just doesn't show up until hours after she had been waiting for him to show up. And she finds out that it's because Noah has gone around to all of the guys in her school and threatened all of them to not ask her out. And she literally says that it's not his job to monitor her dating life and that he's done controlling her. And he says, we'll see about that. And it's framed as like this flirtatious kind of cute thing that's happening But it's not a cute behavior to try to control what other people are doing to control like who they're able to spend their time with. So how do you think what we have kind of talked about today in regards to the kissing booth might impact the young people watching this movie and how they're forming and maintaining their own relationships? I think it's one of many, unfortunately examples in media that is perpetuating like a lot of what we talked about where there's this expectation for in heterosexual relationships specifically for the man to be the pursuer to be the protector to protect not only quote-unquote like his girl but like his honor and I think that it's sad and it's scary and luckily like there are other pieces of media that have really wonderful examples of relationships that are not like this I'd like to thank Emma for coming on the show today to have this conversation. We spoke a lot today about power and control in relationships and how unhealthy behaviors, often normalized by media, impact young people. Join us again next month where we'll be continuing this conversation and breaking down another relationship in popular media. As mentioned, please call Next Steps 24-7 and free helpline at 1-800-315-5000.
1-800-273-5579 for more support or to learn about resources available to you. You can also listen to our live stream or subscribe to our podcasts at weru.org or on the WERU smartphone app. In this episode, we discuss slapping a person in response to something they've said. This occurred at the Oscars in March 2022, however, this episode was recorded prior to this event.